The Giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. G'day, wonderful giants. Ram here. Welcome to episode number 63. It has been a little while on the podcast front, a little quiet. I actually got married and went on a honeymoon, so took a bit of time off for that, but I am certainly back on it now. If you're a first-time listener, which you might very well be, as although this podcast has been on iTunes for three years, it's only recently gone up on Spotify, which is very exciting. So I just want to say thank you for tuning in. A quick overview, there are currently over 60 deep dive episodes with giant thinkers such as Kelly Slater, 11-time world surf champ, Prince Ear, spoken word artist and filmmaker, Russell James, main photographer for Victoria's Secret, design industry greats such as Debbie Millman, Michael Beirut, Steve Frickholm, El Luna, and global heads including those at Visa, Deloitte Digital, Squarespace, VaynerMedia, Creative Live, WordPress, JWT, Interbrand, and Nike Plus. So feel free to binge on those. It's all for you and you can listen anywhere, anytime. Now, today's guest has launched over half a dozen multi-million dollar companies from a rock climbing gym to a conference company to a branding agency and a highly successful e-commerce business. In the last few years, he's shifted his mission from starting companies to teaching others how to start theirs, to help people create the business and family they love empowering people to chase their dreams and fulfill their purpose. He's been featured in publications including the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, Fox News, NBC, Inc. Mag, Mashable and Forbes. Now more than ever, he's widely known as an online thought leader on faith, family and marriage. Some of the topics we spoke about include his journey in creating these multi-million dollar companies such as Sevenly and Startup Camp, the ups and downs of running a business, the importance of looking in the mirror when things go bad and looking out the window when things go good, lessons on leadership, constantly evaluating our purpose and seeking our own truth. This episode has a mixed bag of goodies, so if you're interested in the intersections of capitalist philanthropy, entrepreneurship and purpose, then this is for you. A quick one before we begin. Do you use Instagram? I suspect you probably do. And if so, I invite you to add me on Instagram if you haven't already. I'm doubling down and putting extra effort into that channel to give as much value as possible. In particular, I answer every single comment and DM. I leave no message behind. So if you have a question or are feeling stuck and you think I can help, happy to give my two cents. I'm also committed to delivering some useful Instagram stories on the daily as well. So connect with me via my handle, The Giant Thinker, as it is the fastest way to reach me. Okay, that's some solid bish bosh bash. Let's dive straight in. I present to you the highly passionate, inspiring, action-taking juggernaut, Dale Partridge. 
Dale Partridge, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, mate. I am super pumped to have you on the show. How you doing? Hey, super stoked to be here. Thank you. This has been a long time coming. I've been uh, following you since uh, the 2015 era when you <laughs> launched uh, People Over Profit, which I often reference yep. um, in, in a lot of my talks, actually. Um, so first off, Dale, I have an icebreaker question for you. If uh, you could be with any person living or dead, who would you hang out with for a day? Okay, so good question. You know, obviously, you know, I come from the Christian background, so everybody should say Jesus, but I'm not going to say Jesus right now. I'm going to say uh, John Adams. And uh, John Adams is, you know, the second president of the United States, uh, founder, really, in my opinion, of the United States, because he was the one that kind of put this thing together that nobody realizes. Um, uh, John, David McCullough, who is a Pulitzer Prize winner, wrote a book called John Adams. It turned into an HBO series that you can watch on Amazon Prime. And uh, the guy and his wife are just incredible thinkers. Uh, and, you know, it was John Adams who asked uh, Thomas Jefferson to write the Declaration of Independence. It was John Adams who asked George Washington to become the first president of the United States. You know, these are the things that this man had just such an incredible caliber of leadership. Uh, it was quite impressive. And if you read his story in terms of just how he's realizing the divinity of, of the creation of America um, and, and the purpose it had as a protection of over Israel and all these crazy things that you read back in history, when you look at the corresponding letters between him and his wife, they're just beautiful. One of his one of my favorite quotes that he says is, facts are stubborn things. And uh, he, he's, he was an attorney, and so he argued, and he'd bring up facts, and he would just often say, facts are stubborn things, and you're not going to move them. And so it's a, it, yeah, great, great uh, person through uh, history and uh, love what he stood for. He was one of the only founding presidents that stood against slavery. And so, yeah, love, love his story. Amazing. I've, I've not heard of John Adams, actually, so I appreciate you uh, bringing him to light. I'll uh, definitely check him out. Um, now, Dale, where would you say your expertise lies? You know, I think for me, um, it's in strategy and creative. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a vision guy just by nature in terms of, I've always had this ability uh, since since I was a young child to kind of see a desirable future and then look down and plainly see the steps to get there. And I thought this was very normal for everybody to be able to do this. As I've grown older, I've realized that this is a gifting that that I have and and lots of other people have, um, but not everybody has it. And um, and it's just the gift of vision and strategy on how to get there. And I've been able to take things to the finish line more than others. And, um, now there's, there's my own faults, the, the giftings that I don't have, and there's weaknesses that I don't or that, that I, that I do exhibit. Um, but, but that's been one strength for sure. That in combination with creative, one thing that you'll know, uh, you'll notice about just my brand is that I like everything to look really good. And it's, it's almost an obsession. And, um, from my book covers to the interiors of my book, to the studio that I'm sitting in recording this video, I, I just have this desire for beauty and order that really bleeds out of me. And, 
Um, the, the hard part about design is that it's generally expensive. I try to do it on the cheap, but, um, I do have a heart for just curation and beauty and history and, um, and just that, just style. There's something about that with me that, that I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, uh, going back to that John Adams quote that you mentioned, uh, facts are stubborn things. Uh, you know, you've launched so many things, products and services. Um, and I personally am a, a huge fan of your books, um, which we'll go through, uh, later on in this interview, but, um, it's a testament to the little ideas that you've put, the typography that you've had um, executed upon um, in those covers and, and just the layout and the easy reads. I, fi- I find that your books are, you know, you've embraced negative space and, and all those good things. So um, mm. it's, it's really good to see. Um, now, Dale, before we dive into the details, can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up? Yeah, so uh, blue collar worker as a father, um, you know, middle class, uh, you know, American, um, you know, grew up in a pretty normal house in a pretty normal neighborhood with a pretty normal childhood, just in terms of going on vacations once a year, and and uh, you know, had a little brother um, that you know was always chasing me around. Um, uh, mom was a stay at home mom, and so that was interesting. I I, I played a lot of baseball, and uh, that was my baseball and skateboarding were kind of my things as a kid. And I realized looking back now, I was a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher, and um, I was good at baseball. And this is something that, that I played for several years all the way almost into college. And um, I, as a pitcher, you, you are learning even as a young child how to run the field. Um, I mean, you, you have, everybody's eyes are on you, pitch after pitch after pitch. And you control the game. You literally control the pace of the game. You control the um, score of the game. I mean, it all comes down to how you're pitching. And I had no idea as a child, but this was developing me into leadership. And um, that has been one thing that I look back and I go, wow, what a cool, uh, what, a, what a beautiful accident that was um, for, for me to have that leadership experience. Um, you know, I, my, uh, my parents got a divorce when I was uh, 18. Um, I think that kind of shook me up quite a bit and I dove straight into work because, uh, I had to move out of my parents' house and make my own things work. And, and I think that was, there was a big driver of me, kind of a sink or swim moment there that propelled me into workaholism actually. And I was working way too hard for a long time and, um, have had to seek out a lot of healing, uh, from those times and, and, uh, I feel like I'm kind of put up together now, but yeah, so th- this, this, uh, my dad had a great work ethic. Um, and you know, he, he would, I remember waking up, <laughs> check this out. So, you know, a lot of kids collect cans when they're young cause they can get the money for the recycling. I went way further. So I had a route that I would drop off flyers to people's houses and say, Hey, can you put your cans out on these days and I'll come pick them up. On top of that, I went and bought trash cans blue trash cans, which before blue was kind of the universal, you know, blue or green for recycling blue trash cans. And I cut a hole in it and I spray painted, um, recycle your cans here, uh, bottles and glass, uh, bottles, cans and glass. And I would drop these off at apartment complex swimming pools in the summer and would drop them off. And I'd get, I mean, truck fulls of cans and I was making lots of money (laughs) as a kid. Uh, I'm talking like eight to to 12 years old making, you know, uh, maybe $2,000 a month. Um, 
And so this was, this was definitely a, a kind of an enterprising part of me as a child. So my dad was very supportive of that and really made me believe that, that I could make money on my own, which is a, a great gift to give to your children. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, when you mentioned uh, baseball being a, a gift in a way, an accident, uh, speaking of accidents, uh, is it true that you had an arm injury? Um, that kind of derailed you from kind of progressing in your baseball career. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to go pro. Uh, several people thought I was going to go play professional baseball. Um, if anybody knows baseball, I was 18 years old throwing about 88 miles an hour, uh, which is right on the cusp of professional level speed as a pitcher. I'm not super tall. I'm five nine. So if I was a little taller, I would have had even a greater chance, but I, um, I was in the middle of throwing in a game and this game was, uh, radar guns up. I mean, every pitch you threw, there's professional baseball scouts taking notes and having the radar gun on your pitches. And <clears throat> the pressure was intense and every pitch, boom, you're throwing as hard as you can, as you can, everything in you, you know, cause you go, Oh my gosh, that guy's from the New York Mets and that guy's from, you know, the, you know, uh, the Indians and that guy's from the Cardinals. And so you're pushing it. And at that time I, uh, I blew my arm out. I threw way too hard one pitch and the bone that's on your elbow and the inside of your arm, that little knob right there, uh, that was down kind of on the backside of my arm. It broke off. And that was pretty much the end of my career, which, which sent me into, yeah, starting my, my first company, which was a fitness company and kind of try to fix myself and, and uncover some of those problems around, uh, you know, fitness and, and uh, kinesiology and and so yeah it was an interesting change in plans that i had no uh intention of changing uh but looking back man i'm so, i'm so glad that i have the life that i do have now yeah that's uh that's incredible um i want uh, you just uh kickstarted off a an area that i wanted to dive into um which is that transition i guess into into fueling your um your drive and, and, and you've definitely sent that into the entrepreneurship space. Um, from what I've read, you've had so many diverse uh, organizations and products that you've created, um, verticals from e-commerce e to massage therapy, uh, a rock climbing facility and, and a conference for Christian entre entrepreneurs, leaders, creators, among others. Uh, can you give us a rundown on, on all these ventures? Because you just mentioned now fitness, so I didn't, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I'm an, I'm a serial entrepreneur, meaning that I like to start things, get them up to a certain spot and then sell them. <clears throat> and, um, so I've sold several companies and that's been, a, I've also like totally utterly failed in several companies and embarrassed myself as well. But, um, yeah, I started, uh, I started this fitness company, uh, at the age of 18, it was called the fit image. And I, I raised, uh, about five, uh, five employees, um, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue. And we were an in-home personal training and massage therapy company. It was my first company. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was working and we were making money. And I'm a good salesman. I'll tell you what, if you're listening to the podcast right now, one of the greatest skills you can have is salesmanship or saleswomanship, right? Just the idea, the ability to sell things. And there's a quote that I love. It says, if they knew what you knew, they would do as you do. And that ability to transfer information from your brain into someone else's brain is really important as the entrepreneur's job. And the second thing is there's a proverb that I like from the Bible that says, the tongue of the wise 
can make all knowledge acceptable. And through wisdom, you can take some sort of knowledge. And as long as you, you know, through grace, through love, through truth, you can make something acceptable. Um, most things acceptable. And that is something that I've used uh, as building companies. And so I ended up selling that company, <clears throat> started a um, yeah, conference company, uh, had some great speakers, 2,000 people attended our first event, awesome time, um, wrong season of my life. I wasn't ready to start teaching. I was too young. It was, it was, I was beyond where I should be. Um, it was a humbling moment. I started a company, uh, a rock climbing gym, a, a 9,000 square foot rock climbing gym in Riverside, California. And what an awesome adventure that was. 20 employees, about a million dollars a year in revenue. And just a fun time that was. And then I uh, sold my shares uh, of that company because I got fired from my own company. So uh, I owned a mi minority part of that company and I got fired from my own company um, that I started, which is, you know, you, you never expect that to happen. And it was a good thing that I got fired because I was a horrible leader. Um, and it was a, it was a moment of reality for me to go, Oh my gosh, I need to grow up. I need to mature. I need to become a better leader. I need to understand people. I need to be empathetic. I need to stop thinking of myself. I need to, um, uh, be caring and compassionate and patient and I need to learn. And so, uh, from that point I started a, a branding agency, uh, design is kind of one of those things that has always been, I've used design in between ventures, meaning that I go back into freelancing as just a freelancer. So I'll freelance, I'll build someone's website or I'll design some sort of brand for somebody. Um, and that's a, I love it because I love design. And so I, I went into starting a branding agency and out of that branding agency, I started a company called Sevenly in 2011. And Sevenly was kind of the big hit in terms of like, this was the company that took off <laughs> farther than any other company I've done. And uh, we launched, it was a company where every week we would partner with a new charity. And we give that charity $7 from every product we sold. And um, we were selling t-shirts at the time and Facebook's algorithm has not, had not changed at the point. If you had 100,000 fans, everything you wrote on Facebook would be seen chronologically by your 100,000 fans if they were on Facebook. And um, we launched this company. I had a big following on Facebook. I owned a couple pages uh, that were large pages on Facebook. And we launched this great company for causes, for charities, for t-shirts. And in the first week, we made $175,000. Wow. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if we did this every week, I'm making more, th this company's doing more than all my other companies combined. And I, I had a four-person branding agency and I go, we got to shut this company down and focus all of our efforts on this company, like now. And um, we went from small office to bigger office to bigger office to bigger office and ended at you know, almost $8 million a year with 50 employees down in Orange County, California. And what an incredible ride. Made the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. Mark Zuckerberg asked if I could come and offer the keynote speech at the 10th anniversary of Facebook. Um, in San Francisco, um, about how we used Facebook to build a company that raised so much money for charities and lots of really good moments like that. Again, uh, algorithm change of 2000, uh, October, 2013, big change happened there. 
um, and slowly started changing the company. We started losing money, had to shift our, our strategy, became stressful. We had investors from San Francisco and venture capital, and it was my moment to go, okay, Dale, you're out. Uh, my, my board just said, hey, if you can't solve this problem now, then it's time for you to leave because I'm the CEO and right, the CEO's job is to look in the mirror when things go bad and it's to look out the window when things go good. And um, at the time, nobody had heard of a Facebook algorithm change. It was the first time it had ever happened. You know, lots of e-commerce companies went out of business from that algorithm change and everybody that they had all this reach to all their fans now had to pay to have reached to those fans. So it changed a lot of business models. And had a bit of a falling out with some of the people on my team, but it's all been redeemed. And um, we sold our shares in that company and moved on. My wife and I sold our property that we had in Southern California, and we bought a farm in Oregon, the northwest of the United States. And here we started a company called Startup Camp. And uh, that was a couple years ago. And we grew that company. And what an awesome experience teaching people how to start businesses. I figured I'd had some great experience doing that. And uh, it was a fun business, about a million dollars a year, uh, not that many employees, which is great. I, was, I just came from 50 employees, which is very stressful. Our payroll when we had 50 employees was like $240,000 every two weeks. And so a, a lot of responsibility as a, uh, I think I was 28, 27 at the time. And um, so startup camp, that was a great experience. And then just uh, last September, my wife and I decided, I think it's time to shift into the things that we, I think, really care about and we'll probably spend the rest of our lives focusing on, which is uh, our, our Christian ministry and the church and also um, marriage. We really care about marriage. And so we sold our company, Startup Camp, and uh, now have transitioned into helping people uh, do marriages. I'm actually a pastor now, which is such a weird thing to, to say. I've been studying the Bible for, for a decade, but now going deeper, um, actually taking some schooling on it. And it's been a great experience. It's been very fun. Um, lots of leadership lessons along the way, been humbled, embarrassed, humiliated even. And um, I'm learning a quote that I say to myself often is, God has more to do in me than through me. And I have to remind myself that there is a deep river of work that needs to occur in me before I can start flowing out through me. And it's a humbling thing to remember that there's more to do in us than through us. And, um, and that's where I'm at now. And I'm trying to walk carefully and make good, good decisions. We've always been wise with our finances. We have no debt. We've paid off our mortgage. Um, and now we're trying to do the right thing, spend time with our children uh, I have a four-year-old, I have a, a, a two-year-old, a one-year-old. Um, so it's a time that we're, I'm trying to be a great father, um, a great husband, and, uh, and a great leader. Yeah, wow, that's pretty full-on, mate. I, um, first of all, want to congratulate you for sharing such a, a wild ride. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a few quotes that I love uh, from the book that kind of connected me to you from afar um you know you've got this this very uh powerful quote here every day you have a choice to be honest or deceptive if you commit to telling the truth you will win you'll win more trust you'll win more 
business and you'll win more peace of mind. Um, mm. One other one that I absolutely love is, um, which which I think can apply in business and in everything, but you've written here, in business, vulnerability works differently than in other realms of life. When you're willing to share wins and losses, successes and failures, you'll build more trust and loyalty among your core customers in the way being weak will make you stronger. And I think this theme of that that tension, I think really rides the line with a lot of people. Um, tension in a way that there's a contrasting polar opposite of something, you know, and mm. I think with with everything that you've you've done take for example you having that steve jobs moment in a way um and and then in the other instance so in that instance you you were fired but then in another instance when you were a ceo you decided to exit on your own accord um you know those those are quite confronting as you said you've, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror if you're the ceo especially um how do you think people can really go down their own truth barrel um, without feeling so torn? You know, there are those voices of, might be even from your parents or your partner or your closest yep. of close friends. And you know in your heart that, this is it right for you and i guess this is almost alluding to your latest book titled saved from success um yeah. and in and in your uh journey you've you've come to know god in your faith and and um i myself am filipino so you know over 85 percent of filipinos are actually uh of a christian um denomination yeah. um and and look i i can appreciate your your um your journey how how do you feel, um, you know, someone that might be listening that might be in their late teens or early twenties when they're really navigating themselves as yeah. in the, in the context of career and identity, how do you, how can they kind of harness a bit more clarity? Do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things is, you know, we're all on a journey to, to understand truth. Um, you know, truth, there's a great Winston Churchill quote that says, truth is often so valuable that it's protected by a bodyguard of lies. And truth is uh, often the most desired thing, but the least appreciated. Um, the, the creator of the atomic bomb actually said, that the most dangerous weapon on the world in the world is not the atomic bomb, but truth. And so truth is, if you want to look at a powerful leader, it's because they've planted their flag on what they believe is true. And there's only a handful of really viable worldviews. And one of them yeah, the, the worldview that I've taken is Christianity. Um, and so I want to give you a kind of an example on how I'll relate this to business. You know, so all the deep questions around truth revolve around four categories. Origin, um, purpose, 
morality and destiny. So origin, like, wh like where do we come from? Um, purpose and meaning, like, is there any purpose to life? Um, morality, what is right and wrong? And then destiny, what happens to us after we die? Those are the four great categories of every human being on the planet when it comes to truth. And you cannot lead if you're flip-flopping on any of the categories, on, on any areas of truth in those categories. If you're changing how you believe on, on any of those categories, how does anybody follow you? There's nowhere to go. You don't even know where you're going. And so after doing a ton of research, I just realized that the only one that can answer that, all four of those questions well, I ended up with, it's Christianity. Now that's my story. I'm not projecting it on anybody that's listening. That was just my own pilgrimage. But my experience in business is that you need, if you want to lead, you need to have a firm foundation of what is true. And by that definition, you can lead people somewhere. Um, and that's the difference between false leaders and real leaders. And, um, and that's something that I've done. Um, I, and not, not to toot my own horn by any means, but, but that's, I've just landed the plane on what I believe. And what happens in the world is this, some kind of crazy thing happens in the media and the news in their life. And they go, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Dale, what do you think? You know, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know. You know, what's going on? Uh, Jennifer, what do you think? You know? enter your name in there. And so people are like sheep. They need leaders. And we learn to lead through experience. We learn to lead through humility. We learn to lead through perspective. We learn to lead through truth. And um, so that's my, my recommendation to anybody is that it go like philosophy was so incredibly important in educational processing all the way up through like the 1800s. So for example, I, um, I was reading a book about logic. Um, and I, I, right now I'm actually studying, uh, you know, hermeneutics and, and the, you know, argument and logic and Greek and Hebrew and all these different things, uh, for a master's in divinity. So I'm, 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 I'm pretty well educated in kind of the intellectual arts and I'm, I'm definitely in it. And <clears throat> I heard about this book that has this really deep level of logic and argument and truth and philosophy. And like it, I, I just, and it, it wasn't Christian. It was just a philosophy book, like talking about the important questions that Aristotle and Plato and Socrates and, and some of the, even the great, um, uh, Christian philosophers back in the day, some of the martyrs, some of the saints, uh, Newton, some of these great, great thinkers. And I started reading this book <clears throat> and I found out that it was a reprint of a book in the 1700s. And it was the philosophy and logic book for grade schoolers. And so we are so weak. We are technically smart and philosophically stupid as a generation. We need to invest time in philosophy when people say it's a PhD, that is a philosophy doctorate. That's what that means. And so, yeah, we need to have some time and investment into 
the, um, the art of philosophy. We need to understand logic and argument. And again, this is my story, but I'm telling you, that has really helped me lead well. Hmm. And how do you sort of calm the noise and find your own space to, to, to kind of think about these things? You know, um, that's a good question. Um, because, yeah, knowledge is a, uh, a commodity, you know. Um, and so, you know, right now is truth, is, as I said, is, you know, I'll give you an example. 1984, there's a book called 1984, and there's a quote in there by George Orwell that says, in a time of universal deceit, truth becomes a revolutionary act. Truth can change the world. And so I, I, I put aside time in my week to study truth and to seek truth out. And so every Friday, I spend five hours studying truth. And that might be the Bible, that might be some other philosophy book, that might be some other form of, of kind of theological. And remember, the word theo means God. So theological is the study of God, right? And so I spend time studying those things. I, I've studied uh, cosmology, like co the cosmological argument. Um, and, you know, what that means and the stars and the universe and how things were created. And <clears throat> studied some works from some different Nobel Prize winners who, who've come to the same conclusion that there must be a God. And so there's some fascinating stuff that I get a chance to spend time to because we leave these, we get so busy that we leave these giant gaping holes in our life. And those gaping holes are origin, meaning morality and destiny. If you're like a 48 year old man and you haven't answered those questions, brother, take some time to seek those questions out. Don't get too busy making a living that you forget to make a life, that you forget to have answers to the, the life's deepest questions. Don't get distracted about those things. So yeah, leadership in business, in your family, in your community requires a deep, unquenchable, fanatical desire for truth. Hmm. And this almost leads to that big old word, uh, purpose. You know, um, I think when I've heard just now and, and read about your journey and as you explained from different types of businesses, rock climbing to, you know, that um, in-home massage and fitness um, service to um, Sevenly and startup camp um, right through to now. And, and you at the tail end of, of the, uh, the sort of uh, chronological order that you, you listed all those things in, you said that you feel that this is where you're going to spend, you know, the rest of your life really putting yourself into... Um, what you're building now, which is uh, relearnchurch.org, um, and you've got um, some other things in the works, and your latest book is also complementary to that, Saved from Success. Um, what fascinates me is that journey is almost the fast-forward to most people's lives, and you're only, you know, in your th in your early 30s and, and yep. you know it's it's kind of 
one of those things. I, I believe in that whole um, Jim Rohn quote, you, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, and you know, yep. I, I truly believe that what you see and what you hear and what you do, you absorb as well. And um, so I love your your uh, real consumption of, of the knowledge and, and the, the philosophy that you seek. Um, my question would be, for people that are, you know, you did the whole cans thing to, to, to really um, save money and, and earn money and, and, and start a business. And there is a thrill in starting something. And, and, and I often feel that the best way to complain is to create, you know, don't just sit there and, and be a critic, create something. And a business mm. is such a valuable vehicle for, for the lessons around that. Um, I guess there are so many people that want to start businesses, right? Especially for people that work as a means to an end to, to raise their own capital to be able to start their own business. But I often find that there are so many businesses that do get sold off or, or don't work out well. And I think that regardless of what you do, you're going to have a struggle. So I guess it's it, this theme around purpose really ties in with that, that the purpose pulls you and, and also that there's going to be struggles, but what is worth struggling for? Um, and you know, you, you've found, you found for you that purpose, the, the thing that is worth struggling for. And, and, you know, you've, you speak a lot about your, your marriage these days and strengthening your marriage, not these days, but you have done for the last couple of years actually. Yeah. Um, and I love that, but some people aren't as brave or some people are still scared. Well, you think about this and you go, you know, at the end of your life, cause you're going to die. Okay. The Psalms say that a wise man thinks of death often. Do you think about death often? I do. You're going to die. Answer those questions that you have. And I go, if I'm sitting there at the end of my life, am I going to say, gosh, I wish I started another company? <laughs> or am I going to say, gosh, I hope that my wife knows everything that I want her to know. And I hope that she really enjoyed life with me. And I hope that I didn't miss out because I was so busy chasing something that we, we missed out moments together. Because all you're going to want is more time with the people you love. Um, and I'm, my kids, I'm just going to go, man, all I'm going to want in that deathbed of mine, I'm going to sit there and go, gosh, I wish I could have, I wish I could just hang out with my, my little boy one more time for an extra, you know, six weeks. Oh, how much, how joyful that would be. See, the thing is, is most people are afraid to feel. Cowards, afraid to feel. So what they do is they don't get married. They don't have kids. They hide behind some sort of false wisdom and they go, oh, you know what? Yeah, this, this, that, you know, whatever it might be. And sure, some people might be legitimate because I don't want to say that all people are cowards if they don't have kids. That's not what I'm saying. But in general, in the general sense, a lot of it is driven by fear. We're afraid to feel. We're afraid to get hurt. We're afraid to break. A couple nights ago, my son has asthma. I'm sitting there holding him in my hands as he can't breathe, and I'm wondering if he's going to die in my arms. 
Okay, the, these are the things that people are afraid of because they're hard and they're heavy. And, but on the other side, dude, it's the most incredible thing to be a father. It's incredible to have a family and a deep marriage. And it's incredible to, to have this, those relationships that we're designed to have. You know, our biology screams it. We're made for this stuff. And so, um, so yeah, these, you know, coming to this conclusion of going, man, I want to just talk about God and I want to talk about marriage and the church. And for me, I go, you know, I feel like the Lord's taking me into soul doctoring, you know, um, fixing the, the most important things that need to be fixed, um, replacing lies with truth, um, bringing healing, you know, cause hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, heal people. And, um, and so, so this has just been a, it is, it's a fascinating journey. Um, I definitely don't have it figured out. Um, I'm confident, but I'm not certain. I hold a lot of things with an open hand and I hold some things with white knuckles. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a journey and it's exciting. It's exhilarating. There's a cost involved to leadership. Um, some people won't like you. I I mean, if you follow me on social media, I have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and I get shamed and commented on and people don't like me and they misunderstand me. They, they twist my words, they use them against me. They, you know, I get that all the time, every day. It's the cost of leadership and there is no such thing as costless leadership and you can't please everybody. And there's, so there's just a, a long journey that goes along with this stuff. But, but at the core, yeah, I just want to challenge people to evaluate if, you know, what they're doing, their purpose lends themselves to creating the life that they were made to create, to, to have, you know, um, does it nurture a relationship with a spouse? Does it re- nurture the opportunity to have children and to grow old together and to have a family? Um, for me, there is no, if you look at people who have families, they're the most hurt and the most happy. And so you got to be, it's risky business because you can go in there and get destroyed or you can go in there and be the happiest man on the planet. But a good leader will end up as the happiest man on the planet. And, um, we don't take our wounds from childhood into our marriages if we're, if we're good at healing and we're good at seeking truth. And so that's just been my journey. Um, yeah, it's weird going entrepreneur into the, the philosophy and the pastor the way that I am now. Um, but there's, there's definitely more purpose and meaning, uh, at least for me on that journey. Yeah. Well, firstly, I don't, I don't think it's weird at all. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's more common than we broadcast, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, and I say that because, you know, if I may just share a little bit, I, um, I am 32 going on 33 and I proposed to my, um, now fiance, um, last year and it took me six years to get, get to that point and loads of, you know, failed relationships and, 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 and situations that, um, didn't go well and and those types of things. I mean, that's just the nature of life. But um, one thing that I realized was I couldn't fill it with just being busy. I couldn't fill um, 
the the and I say feel because there is there was a space in my in my heart and mind and my soul that that thought oh, you know my parents they've been married for 35 years or something and um, I don't even know if a love like that exists for me mm. and and I always saw that as the benchmark so anyone that I was with um, I thought not nah, not as good as my parents relationship and um, I to the point where I had so many sort of um, failed relationships that I thought that I couldn't um, that I that I didn't think it existed that yep for, for me well th- this is a very common thing yeah you know we have we have things that we, we measure our life against you know our day one against your parents 32nd year of marriage yeah I also I also thought that that um, that it was it was other people you know but really it was me that that bit that you said um, healing you know is a big part of it the the resolving things and not bringing them into into your next relationship but because I was I was carrying things that mm-hmm. that actually was me subconsciously holding back because I was holding on to something else and that holding on to something else might have been along the lines of of um of fear or of of of, of you know being hurt and, and 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 um all those things so but but now you know I'm happy to say that um it's interesting when you get there and I can't I mean you'd know Dale but you know for those listening that aren't there yet you'll you'll know almost like I have a deeper sense of purpose when I get up in the morning now to you know I don't have kids yet but but one day hopefully I'm blessed to have a family and and I'm getting married in in um in August this year so uh, that'll that'll be 7 years together with my partner awesome. um and so uh big big shout out to her um and 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 the thing is like I have totally changed my view on business as well it's so intertwined um I don't I I am seeing the service more deeper when I thought oh you know yep yeah, I'm serving you know I know that I am I'm doing something good but it's different there's always another layer to learn and there's always another layer deep to go down and um I think I read somewhere if if you if you think that you know you you, you know everything you you're um you know that's when that's when life kind of ends for you <laughs> you know it's yeah you know things don't progress anymore um so yeah i i am glad that you shared your your story and your journey with us here dale um anything to, to add in those in those sort of themes of, of healing perhaps i mean the only thing that you know i'll say is that you mentioned that you couldn't find anything to fulfill those needs um there's an interesting thing that I'm learning is that purposelessness or meaninglessness isn't because people are weary of pain. They're not frustrated with like pain. Meaninglessness and purposelessness is because people are weary of pleasure. They've realized that pleasure is bankrupt. And that's why so many of these people that are multimillionaire celebrities are committing suicide. They have everything, but they realize how bankrupt it is. They realize that like the vacations and the boats and the money and the fame and the, the nice things, they're tired of it. It's empty. 
And so it's not that they're necessarily weary of pain. They might be weary of that too, but they're also weary of pleasure. They want something with more meaning and purpose. And that's, again, how I lead to the God conversation. It's the only thing that can quench that in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I mean, I, I want to mention a couple of things that like what my wife and I are doing, you know, for those that happen to be on a similar track with us, if you're not on a similar track with us, then, you know, take the, take the meat and spit the bones out, you know, uh, whatever was good for you. And, and if you don't agree with some of the other things that I said, then just spit them out. Um, but we're, my wife and I are, you know, we're trying to do two things. We're trying to figure out how to help people plant churches and that's relearnchurch.org. And then we're trying to help people have awesome marriages, like marriages that are awesome and thriving and built on truth. And, uh, that's at ultimatemarriage.com. And so, um, those are our, those are our ventures. And as a business person, Remember that what do we solve as problems? We solve problems. And what kind of problems do we solve? We solve urgent, required, and painful problems. And you know what? Marriage is an urgent, required, and painful problem if you don't have it set up right. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do right now. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing. And it's been awesome just to have this conversation with you. So thank you for letting me be vulnerable and you you joining in on that journey with me. Amazing, amazing, Dale. Um, mate, a few more quick fire questions for you. Um, a question I asked all my guests, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to your junior self, uh, perhaps the youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him? Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to think about, say, like 12-year-old Dale. Yeah. Um, humility is the opposite of everything you want to be. And it's the fastest way forward. Um, for me, I just go, <laughs> it is incredibly difficult for my personality type to be humble. Hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find out what the difference between humility and confidence and pride and arrogance and all these things are, but humility will get me faster forward not pride, not command, not intensity, not power, but humility. It's backwards. It's counterintuitive. That, that's what I would tell my younger self. And who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential? Um, there's a guy that's discipled me for a bit. His name's Matt Jacobson. So that's the kind of the real, real time person. Um, late fifties, eight children, awesome father and husband, and just poured into me. And so that's one guy. Um, the other guy who is a writer, I read all of his commentary on philosophy and on the Bible, Adam Clark, a, you know, his last name is C L A R K E. He, he wrote through the 1700s and I read so much of his stuff that I feel like I know him and just a beautiful poetic mind who's really inspired me. So yeah, definitely those two guys. Fantastic. And Dale, how can listeners get in touch with you online? At Dale Partridge on Instagram. Um, uh, you can just search Dale Partridge on Facebook. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube are kind of my, my jams. Um, Instagram is my main thing. I write on there several times a week. 
And at the, at the core, I mean, you know this about me, but I, I'm a writer. And so I, I process my thoughts through writing and I'm, I put these short posts out every week. Um, and then my wife are going to start, my wife and I are going to start a new podcast on marriage called ultimate marriage. And again, that's just at ultimatemarriage.com. So good, mate. Thank you so much for your time. I can easily say that, uh, I've not had a guest like you on the show, which is, which is such a good thing. Um, and hopefully listeners have, uh, gotten loads out of this as much as I have. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Giants, thank you once again for tuning in and listening to this podcast out of the many shows available out there. I am truly grateful for your time and I feel genuinely blessed to receive dozens of daily messages from many of you who are impacted by the show. I want to reiterate that this podcast is and always will be for you and you keep the show going. If you felt this episode was useful and perhaps a friend may feel the same way, please share this with them. Giantthinkers.com will easily take them straight to it or they can subscribe via iTunes or Spotify. Now, a little teaser for our next guest. She is one of Shark Tank Australia's investors on the hit TV show Shark Tank. She is also best known as the founder of a very popular and established business, an online experienced gift retailer called Red Balloon plus co-founder of the parent company, Big Red Group. She's also a top-selling author, writing books such as Live What You Love and Ready to Soar. This is a highly anticipated interview, so I'll make sure this gets out real soon. For any questions regarding this podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me, as mentioned earlier, is on Instagram. Send me a message via my handle, The Giant Thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from Dale, who said, we can get so busy that we leave these giant gaping holes in our lives. Take some time to seek life's greatest questions out. 